So we, we can use the time tunnels and time continuums to like go to past lives or memories of future lives and maybe life on. Other yes, planets. but not just, not just, you know, not just past lives and things like that. Time continuums can simply be um, that you're going to be taken to ancient Egypt. They may have nothing to do with your own past life. It can be, you're going to go to a certain time continuum where you need to see something or you need to see something play out um, on a different time continuum, how it would have been had an event altered. Doesn't have to be your own past life. It can be things that are related to the history of the world or religious history of the world, related to prophets, saints, mystics, sages, and ascetics, can be related to other worlds, extraterrestrial worlds. Um, so it can be related to any number of things. So you brought up extraterrestrials and we kind of started out today talking about the expanded mind. In your experience, maybe we've touched upon this before, but have you gone to uh, other life forms in which you inhabited as a past life or future life? Or, and how many people do you know, like from your own experience, that uh, have had experiences on other planets as maybe different life forms? Well, I have, and um, my, you know, my own summate, my own guesstimate is that many people have had other experiences as to how many people do I know who are exhibiting obvious signs of that? I don't know that many. I do know of a few, you know, and they're not necessarily like my closest friends, they're colleagues and things who have worked with me on this very subject. But, um, and that would mean that they have integrated somehow from those, those existences. Um, but my understanding and from what I've experienced and, um, you know, even from the writings of other mystics, not just my own experiences, it would, it would be reasonable to assume that it's not an uncommon experience for many of us to have had other existences in other worlds or in other places, mm -hmm. um, in other realms too. You know, this isn't the only purgatory world, you know, so it doesn't even have to be extraterrestrial. It can be something that is just another purgatorial type existence. You know, there's all sorts of ways that these kinds of things can come to pass. So, as far as the mechanics of out-of-body travel, mm -hmm. um, we kind of like just fell into this chapter. Yep. <laughs> Which is realize. kind of, you know, kind yeah. of cool because in a lot of respects, that's how it happens for some people. They just fall into this, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fall, out, fall out of the body. So, yeah. what would you have to say about the mechanics of out-of-body travel? Well, I think the main things that people are going to uh, focus on in the very beginning are, you know, the, the process, which is going into the deeper states of consciousness, the vibrational state, entering into the unconditional love of God, entering into the mysterious mind of God, 
and then actually separating from their body by either rolling out, willing out, or some other way. And then learning how to navigate, in other words, how to move around, see, hear, smell, touch, and taste in the spirit world, how to move through windows, doors, and walls. And then you're, then you're you know, learning how to do your basic, how do I get around in the astral plane? And then once you're out through there, then you're going to start moving towards the beginning stages of out-of-body travel where you may uh, you know you may spend some time on the astral plane learning some things but then you may move forward into some other realm travel and um, at some point then the initiations into the mysteries and so you have this as chapter one in your book after you talk about prior to that the nature of reality and the relationship between mysticism and science. So obviously it's very important to the initiate um, that, you know, we're speaking of auto body travel in the very first chapter. So right. for the initiate, um, just coming to this, what is a good way for them to dip their toe into this? I know that when I worked um, with the International Academy of Consciousness for a while, and I was reading every single book I could on the subject. A lot of, uh, that was weird. <laughs> what? And all of a sudden you went, like, oh, really? Here I go, <sighs> computer glitch. And, um, a lot of it had to do with energy and, and kind of preparing our, our energy to be prepared to start to um, move out of the body and uh, and so that's kind of like how we even started this whole initiation into the mysteries uh, was talking about getting out of the the cordoned off uh, limited sensory awareness that we have to be initiated into our much greater self yeah and what is there and and what's the potential of that for us so uh, dipping the toe in, um, what would you say, like just right off the bat, hey, initiate, this is chapter one, even though it's like 12, 11 hours into our, you know, <laughs> but it's great that it is that way, actually, because then there's a whole setup to it. But uh, why is it, uh, you know, so very important to the initiate? And then how can they just take step one right now uh, that can help them? Well, you know, um you're talking about the process of preparing your energy and stuff. Another important process that I have found, and you know, I was told years ago in uh, when I was writing The Mysteries of the Redemption, a treatise on out-of-body travel and mysticism, and I also wrote Come to Wisdom's Door, that those books would have a certain energetic component that would help people to um, have the experience. And part of what I think would be helpful is, first of all, read The Hammer of Mysticism, an encyclopedic journey into out-of-body travel, mystical processes, and terms. And so you'll understand even more so because it goes into much more detail. Um, but also consider reading The Mysteries of the Redemption and Come to Wisdom's Door because what it's going to do is it actually makes uh, the experiences possible in your mind 
and what happens with that it, it's it's like um it's like if you didn't know that we had a west coast you know then you kind of have to start with oh it's possible to reach the west coast you know like pre-sacagawea you know what i mean and so what we're doing by doing this is you're putting into your spirit the reality that this is um, energetically possible and what often happens with people who start reading it it just automatically just starts happening because you are becoming familiar with the landscape the the map of the other worlds and so you are less uncomfortable and you become more familiar um, not as uncomfortable with the idea of going there and so we see that that is definitely a preparatory step sometimes people miss the most simplest of steps like this which is okay just do things that make make your mind body and spirit aware we can do this also by reading mystical theology texts to begin that purification process by starting to do that work of purification um, in the physical realm whether you're experiencing anything spiritually yet or not and that actually energizes that to happen you want to integrate the prayer the meditation and the spiritual reading talk about that a lot in my books um, prayer speaking to god meditation listening to god you want to give um, sometimes up to three hours of meditation time where you are allowing your um your spirit and your consciousness to go to a level deep enough where you may be able to start approaching that vibrational state sometimes people think oh i'll just give it 10 minutes i'll give it 15 minutes that's generally not going to be enough that'll be something but it's you you want to actually look at this as a real practice it's a it's a real thing and it requires some time and effort and the and generally you need to give it about three hours so that you give enough time for that to happen um and so those are a good a good a good way to start there and get your feet wet and yeah. um take your time don't feel pressured by it or you have to zip through anything take it at your own pace you know i mean you're the so you're the founder of the out of body travel foundation you've had thirty thousand out of body experiences um well that's a random number that that you know i think you pulled out of the sky but i've had a lot of them yeah but yeah well, somewhere i, I got <laughs> I, I saw that somewhere that in your you know work somewhere it was you like documented like thirty thousand or something so i don't think i actually wrote that anywhere but someone might have said that about me i know <laughs> that um i know that it said i've had thousands of experiences but i mean i haven't counted them so just so everyone knows when they read that i i haven't counted them i don't know how many you've had, you've had, had 29,840 <laughs> and uh i'm gonna do some research and make sure that's true I mean, yeah i guess we're gonna have to start counting you know <laughs> and so um you know you've been down this road and you're an extraordinarily uh, humble individual who's who's i mean in my, you know in my experience and quite quite selfless uh, in your counseling uh, 
that's where I started out with you. Of course, I I was already about twenty books in. Um, I do the auto <laughs> with you before I you know talk to you the, for the first time, and uh, so my thing was I loved the audible books and I would listen to them at night because I was away from home half the time in a hotel, so I just had the luxury where I could listen to them all night long. Or what I would even do is just turn it on when I get back to the hotel room and just have yeah. it a low volume in the in the background because I know that the subconscious picks up everything. You know, yes. That nothing escapes it. So I would just kind of have it there. But when she says, uh, come to wisdom's door as being the author of the, the book uh, and putting that book out, one might think like, well, okay, so that could be a little, you know, this or that. I'll say from my own experience that I realized quickly, there was many things I was doing that was inhibiting my opportunity to have out of body travel experiences by reading that book. Um, same yeah, with, and it's a very quick read. It's not a lengthy. It's a quick one. For me, it was a quick listen. Yeah, quick listen. I love, uh, <laughs> I love Audible. I've read, you know, many of your books too, but uh, Audible books are my, you know, I've, I think I'm like 40 or 50 in, something like that. Well, that's awesome. Yeah, and all of them are available on Audible. So yeah. that's good. But yeah. dive into it uh, because you're going to learn things that there's, you know, you're just not going to consciously be aware of. And it's going to help you, I, I feel it's helped me anyways, on my journey. So back in the day, I used to have a real strong connection to, you know, um, science and, and, and their metaphysical slant and all the people that were involved in it. And, you know, but I've just gone into other areas. So I don't have the same neural pathways that are connected at this moment that I once did. Yeah. Because you know, like we all go through phases sometimes of like learning different things, right? Yeah, I do relate to that. I do that all the time because I'm a dork. Remember, we're oh, dorks. We do that. That's yeah. I can't forget that. That's what dorks do. Come on, uh, <laughs> it's part of the job description. Part of the job. Part of the job. <laughs> You're a dork. That's my job. <laughs> <laughs> we understand our function. Yeah, we we know. Who we, are. <laughs> we know who we are. So I mean, you know, um, with this, we can. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, I guess we can just jump in, really, because I don't think I'm not going to get too crazy. I made some notes. Um, they're going to be. I like to ask like energetically open questions. Okay. Anyways, so you know, I'm sure that. Yeah, and you had said that we were gonna go um like, on the you know on these mysteries and things. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you just need me to go through them, and it's like for we are what we emanate. This is the first mystery. For we, <laughs> be a little more interesting. This is the first mystery. <laughs> mystery number one. Or to attain. <laughs> you, could be like, uh, you could be like Jodie Foster and Mel and just do that. <laughs> We're talking about the relationship between science and mysticism. So this is the beginning of your book. And so I know yeah. 
your dad was a scientist. Yes, he was. He was a mathematician. And could you he talk was, a little bit about the relationship you had with him and how he also guided you, ironically, as a scientist, mystically? Well, you know, um, during our lives, you know, he wasn't real involved in our lives. You know, he was a he was he was kind of a dork. You know, so he was um, he was a you know he was a, a different kind of guy. So we didn't have a real close relationship with him. But um, when I um, was instructed to do this book, The Hammer of Mysticism, he came to me and um, guided me on a lot of things to start this path out. He was a mathematician and he was part of the beginnings of rocket science. You know, some of his work is still at the uh, United States Air Force Museum at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, you know. He was, uh, he helped with uh, one of the rockets that was there. I don't know if it's still there, but I think it is. And um, he was also on one, worked on one of the Apollo missions but he was also very involved in the development of radar technology and the beginnings of artificial intelligence. And um, so he was, a, he was a, a very interesting, brilliant man. And, you know, but, but very um, um, not that functional with, with, you know, his personal relationships, you know. But when, um, when he came to me in Mystically, um, he was very excited about this whole thing of, of bringing this together. And, you know, uh, Dr. Rudy Schild and some others from, uh, you know, FREE, the Dr. Edgar Mitchell Foundation for Research into Extraterrestrial Existences had um, experiences had contacted me to be a member of their board. And I was on that for a couple of years. And the Hammer of Mysticism was actually uh, born of a project that we were doing together um, at the time. So we were trying to merge um, all the modalities of consciousness with some of the things that were coming through in science. And I remember that Dr. Schild had shared with me a couple of things. And you'll see if you go to the website at outofbodytravel.org, you can download an article we wrote together on the science of moral law. Um, he had talked about how quantum science and astrophysics, he was a Harvard professor emeritus at uh, Harvard. And um, he said that it was showing that what the mystics had been saying for the last 5,000 years was being proven scientifically. And uh, that everything in the universe was pushing for physical manifestation, pushing forward towards for that. And um, it's harder for me to understand the scientific things um, because I'm the mystic, you know, <laughs> but he explained this and then he also told me, which you'll read in that article that I mentioned, how everything that they were seeing showed that the universe actually operated by a complex um, moral law. 
And so everything was working towards physical manifestation. It seemed like it was very important that everything from consciousness and energy to come all the way out to physical manifestation in order to complete itself. And um, the things that we take for granted in mysticism, like the unit of consciousness, the, the, um, the experience of the one, the experiences of ecstasy, samadhi, Dr. Edgar Mitchell himself had become fascinated by this during his life because when he was in space, because he was an astronaut on one of the Apollo missions, he experienced a profound samadhi in space. And so he wanted to understand what would cause that to happen in space, what he knew to happen to the mystics from throughout the ages on earth. <laughs> And so he ended up spending a lot of his, the rest of his life studying that stuff. He founded the Institute of Noetic Studies. He did a lot of work in the uh, psychic research fields. And he did a lot of work um, in the US and in the USSR at the time uh, in the psychic uh, experimentation fields and all the things that were going on in the early 70s and early 80s. And, um, and so, yes, there is a lot that unites science and mysticism now. Um, and, uh, and, and we want to make people aware of that because these, these uh, parallels are showing us that there is a connection between the importance of our physical manifestation and our spiritual experience. And one thing you brought up in this chapter too, because you were just talking about moral law, mm -hmm. is your father came to you and said there's only two forces in physics. Remember? Yes. So the, the yes. positive and the negative. Yes. <laughs> but also in Da Vinci's notebooks, remember on the duh? Yep. <laughs> the duh notebooks. <laughs> so, so uh, he also expressed the very same thing that there was a particular moral law for him to even access all of this information that he was bringing down. Yes. And, and he said the same thing, a positive and negative. And so the more you know, positive, so to speak, that he was, the more stuff he was able to bring in. Yes. And ironically, um, you're bringing up Leonardo's notebooks and in some of the experiences that my, uh, I had with my father at the time, he had been pointing out to me Leonardo's notebooks and also the writings of Tesla. And, you know, my studies have focused mostly around the ancient sacred texts. And so he took me through a, you know, through a little crash course in some of the more scientific um, writings and you know like I said that's not something I understand as well because my my uh, general calling is mysticism but um, it was fascinating to see the uh, intersections that are being forged between the fields 
between the law of mysticism and the law of physics. Yeah, they yeah. Come together in many ways. Yeah. So we talked about uh, physical matter and science and then spiritual matter and science. Can you uh, address that a little bit more? Well, in what context did I talk about that? Well, I mean, that's one of those limitations too that, you know, if we're talking about physics, you know, it's like it's really... Mm -hmm in the word like, like physical physics and then you know there's spiritual matter and then spiritual matter is really like that's that's where it originates and then it you know comes down and hits the ground afterwards so it's there's just there's a limitation where a mystic can go into the there's a whole other science that's available really with when it comes to spiritual matter well yeah and what um i'm not sure if this is what you're referring to but um you know, physical matter vibrates at a lower vibration than spiritual matter. Um, and so, but um, I'm not finding it in my document as to specifically what you're referring to. Um, it's, it's really like kind of more of a statement anyways, probably. Okay. Do you would agree okay. with that, uh, that, wor that wording? Well, uh, word it again so I can make sure. <laughs> well i mean you know we're just talking about physical matter and science uh-huh we're talking about physics and then you know if we are talking about spiritual matter i mean they did do like the the slit you know experiment you know the one the, the famous one where they shot i'm not familiar with the slit experiment so you tell us well they shot all these um atoms like through this slit and then some were waves and some were particles but just from like the fact that people are were observing it it, uh -huh. it changed right it changed reality. the outcome yes yes thoughts spiritual so also like we can say prayer is uh is very spiritual and there's all these experiments that have been done through prayer uh, lynn mctaggart and the intention uh, yeah. experiment where you know we can change physical reality we can change physics that's with, true yeah with spiritual matter mm -hmm. so absolutely can, yeah so we can like go directly to spiritual matter and just switch up people's physical uh you know outcomes of scientific experiments <laughs> <laughs> well what they were able to see was that um they would get one outcome if no one was watching, but then when people started watching, it would change the outcome of the experiments. And so they were able to prove that thought impacted their own you know, experiments, the physics experiments. And then of course, taking it to a even higher degree that it could impact the movement of the atoms and the, the things that they were shooting out into the uh, slit. Mm -hmm. now you know i mean this we're going to be going into the fragrance of mysticism um mm -hmm. fragrance of the mystical rose i mean and um because you know i think that this is a place for initiates where they can really just get on youtube and start playing around uh, if they even just type in uh, science versus mysticism uh, whole yeah. series of things will come up. Uh, the conference that um, you just did at the at the uh, the conference for consciousness and human evolution, like Nassim 
Perryman was there. Um, and he yeah. really gets, gets into the marriage between mysticism and science. As does, you know, Greg Braden. You know, he was also there and he gets into that in, in a very real way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. When we talk about, uh, are you ready to get into uh, the fragrance? Well, sure. Okay. Well, let's just, <laughs> let's just see if there's a couple more things I want to hit real first, uh, real quick. Okay. And then when you're ready to hit the fragrance, I'll just zip over there and grab the book so I have it with me. Okay. So and I'll pull it up here too, so I can uh, look things up. Well, you, you you mentioned in um, this chapter about the quantum field and the holographic model of science. Do you mm -hmm. is this something that you want to talk a little bit about? Oh well, yeah. You know, it was both talked about in the holographic. Uh, model and in the field which was written by lynn mctaggart which is um you know the latest in science on or you know it's been uh, in the last i think 10 20 years as these theories have been emerging and they've been showing quite a bit of fascinating uh stuff about it um which uh ironically shows a lot of the things that we experience in the spiritual realm, which um, uh, kind of um, the way that it's laid out, with mapped out in the holographic fields, the fields. <laughs> and, um, because, because mystics for thousands of years have been accessing this, <coughs> this quantum holographic field and altering reality mm -hmm. for, yeah. thousands, for thousands of years. Right. Yeah. And it's just, it's something that for mystics, it's something we're taught and it becomes very, uh, I don't know, um, what's the word for that? It's um, ubiquitous. Sure. I don't know. <laughs> it's it's like uh uh what is you know it's it's spontaneous action. It's something that we do without thinking anymore. It's mm -hmm. it's it's you know it's um it's something it's a natural action in the spirit world. Um, um but the but the science community has found this discovery to be pretty revolutionary in in regards to how it really uh, shows that reality might be very different from um, uh, from what we have previously perceived it to be um, and so uh, you know if if the universe is a hologram now uh then what we are un uncovering you know i think in science what they might interpret this to mean is that then everything is illusory but in reality it just means there's all of these uh, emanations you know we're going back to the emanations and so these 
worlds. You know, in Buddhism, if you read like the flower ornament scripture, have you ever taken a look at that one? No. It's a the Mahayana text, the Vatamsaka Sutra, goes in quite a bit of detail about the many Buddha lands uh, beyond this world. And I feel like it's one of the, well, it's my favorite Buddhist, you know, sacred text because it it describes these lands very much in the way that you experience them mystically so where you know we might see as mystics there are some uh, there are some christian type mystics or visions that we can relate to in terms of what heaven might look like but there's also this text really just lays out in literally hundreds and thousands of worlds and in and, and in the text it's hundreds and millions of kotis and you know um and so this text really captures the essence of emanations Scientific emanations of worlds emanations of worlds because um scientists today will often speak about realms mm -hmm. and they talk about a creative force that penetrates our universe mm -hmm. and, you know even a, like a, a subcutaneous energy that um everything is affected throughout like and that's where the like the mystics will go too and can affect reality from this place. But they also um, go, there's some science that goes on to say that electromagnetic fields and ethereal substances um, that permeate all the universe can be uh, affected in such a way that where it affects gross matter. So they're getting into this, they're getting into other realms. They're not just here in the physical. They see that what affects this reality comes from somewhere else and it's all connected. Right, exactly. And this is exactly what we see in the mystical realms. This is what we see in the initiations into the mysteries. This is what we experience as mystics. And so I guess, you know, what, what happens is um, as the mystic, you know, we're reading this and we're like, yeah, that's, yeah, that's how it works. <laughs>